we supposed to get married? I'm gonna just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life with. Do I get to be included in the building of this relationship or do I just get to fit into this? You can keep waiting for the fairy tale or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've watched me on NBC's Access Daily, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Demona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another intriguing episode of Dates and Mates. I don't have to tell you that gender norms are evolving rapidly, but online, I have noticed a lot of rhetoric circulating about things like alpha males and high-value women. And while there's no doubt that there are certain characteristics of these labels that are valued by many, like a strong work ethic or being accountable, being productive, being successful, being in the driver's seat of your life, I have to admit that I've been wondering if these terms and the online communities that seem to be building around them are driving us further away from authentic love and true understanding between the sexes. And that's why I have one of the hottest multi-platform content creators, Chris Thompson, here to analyze the gender war he's witnessing online and share his methods for coming back to a place of peace. But we always kick off the show with news you can use. Our big headline today is... Should dating app users be able to check your dating references? <laughs> then later in Dear Demona, I'll tackle this relatable question. Is my picker broken? <laughs> All right, friends, let's dish. These dating dish. Refinery29 came out with a new article that presents the case for why dating references should become the new norm in online dating. The writer starts out by saying, we all go to Yelp reviews for new restaurants. So why not? have the same thing for potential dates. And they cite a number of different groups, like there's a Facebook group called Are We Dating the Same Guy that was founded a few weeks after West Elm Caleb went viral on TikTok. You remember that? Did an episode where we talked about it. And over 60,000 members joined in just a couple of months. And now there's sister groups that are springing up in different cities internationally. And this is nothing new. I mean, there's been... Don't date him, girl. There's been all kinds of online forums where people aired their grievances against dating app disaster daters. Now, the article proposes that giving reviews could help protect other daters from negative and dangerous effects on dating culture. And then they give a lot of scary data about how many people have experienced sexual violence online, how many people have been a victim of assault or stealthing or stalking. And, you know, I, I don't have to tell you, like the media uses these kind of references uh, because they want you to read their article. They want to get clicks. They want you to be on the edge of your seat trying to find out if you could be the next victim and what to do to fix it. And I got to tell you, by the numbers, it's really unlikely that some of these extreme situations will happen to you. Are there catfish online? Yes, definitely. And you should go back to my interview with Cammie Crawford from the TV show Catfish if you want to know how to do a little digital sleuthing on your dates. But yeah, that happens. And people, there are people who are not who they say they are. There are people who are, who are taking advantage of other people. But the reality is that most people are there that are there, like the worst thing is just that they're not a great date. And there's a very small number of people on dating apps that are doing the majority of the damaging things. So I'm just going to set aside like those extreme outcomes because I've also talked before on this show about whether 
dating apps should have some sort of background checks or what the process is to report and block a user from using the app. So on that tip, just make sure if something does happen to you that you report it to the app immediately because there's no way the apps can police these things and keep you safe with if you're not reporting it. That said, on the other side of reporting or posting or letting everyone in the world know that West Elm Caleb is not somebody that you should date, that's where I think things get a little bit trickier. If you are allowed to post reviews about people, I mean, I just think about reviews I've read for movies or Yelp reviews I've read for restaurants that I actually really liked where one person had a bad experience and they completely tank that restaurant's rating when that person was really not taking any accountability for their actions in how they had a dissatisfying experience. So I'm not saying that these experiences aren't real or they're they're not happening, but if we were allowed to just do a review like, yeah, crappy date, he didn't open my door for me, he didn't offer to pay, uh, he looked kind of disheveled, um, he was wearing the wrong shoes, like any number of things that I hear as reasons for people to not go on a second date. If that is your first impression of someone and not what they've reported about themselves or them stating their intentions about why they are on the app, and you're reading other people's perspectives, it's going to color your experience with that person. And that person may have been just not attracted to the other person. It may have not been a match. They may have been offended by something else that that person did. So leading with the reviews of other people, while from just our perspective, can seem like a way to feel safer and navigate the digital courtship process, as this article states, it actually can create a lot of mistrust and more dissatisfaction in dating. We can find any number of reasons to talk ourselves out of going out with somebody or finding someone to be a suitable match. I'm really interested in finding reasons to say yes. And dating apps certainly need to do work to continue to create a safer environment, particularly a safer environment for women, and to identify people who should not be on the apps. But when we start getting into reviews and the gray area of whose opinion is correct, whose experience of it is the right experience, because we know every situation has three possible sides to it mine, theirs, and ours. So each of those three experiences could really have its own review process. But only seeing it from the one person's perspective, I feel like is misleading, doesn't actually help us, gives us not actually a sense of security and safety, but actually makes us date from more of a place of defensiveness than a place of discovery. If you're looking for a little more discovery in your dating life and you haven't gotten my free profile starter kit yet, it is going away. It is not going to be a free offering in 2023. So make sure you go to datesandmates.com and get this profile starter kit 
before it's too late. It's free right now, and it'll give you my top tips on how to make a winning profile that magnetizes the right dates to you. Not the West Elm Calebs, not the people that are catfish, but the people who are actually going to be proactive about matching with you, messaging you, and going out on a date with you. Not just anybody but with you specifically. So figure out how you can bring your best qualities to the table with the free profile starter kit at datesandmates.com. When we come back, social media star and podcast host Chris Thompson will be with me to break down this gender war and all the misinformation that is circulating on the interwebs. Stay with me. Look, I got to tell you something. If you are looking for love, there is nothing sexier than someone who takes their health seriously because you're looking for partnership. You want somebody who's going to live a long, healthy life with you. And this year, you can prioritize your own health with EverlyWell. You can choose from at-home lab tests like food sensitivity, women's health, or men's health, or vitamins and supplements because love and health are all you need. EverlyWell is a digital healthcare designed for you with personalized results and accessible tools for long-term health. With over 30 at-home lab tests and high-quality vitamins and supplements, you'll be able to find the perfect test for you. Here's how it works. EverlyWell ships products straight to you with everything you need in one package. If you ordered an at-home lab test like I did, the sample can be collected at home and shipped back to a certified lab in the prepaid envelope included with the test. Digital physician-reviewed results are sent straight to your preferred device in just days. If you ordered vitamins and supplements, you can start adding them into your daily routine right away. It's so simple that over 1 million people have trusted EverlyWell to support their health and wellness goals, and now you can do the same. I took the women's health test so that I could get a really clear picture of what was happening in my hormone panel. I love my doctor. I've been going to her for like 20 years, but when I asked her about doing a hormone panel... She was hesitant to give me a test because your hormone levels fluctuate throughout the day. So I turned to EverlyWell, where I was able to collect a sample on different days at different times and really get a clear picture of what was happening with my hormonal health and my overall women's health. Then I was able to take my results and share them with my doctor so that we could create a plan of action together. So maybe that's the experience that's right for you, or maybe you want to give the gift of health to someone you love. And the gift of health has never been so easy to share than it is this holiday. For listeners of this show, EverlyWell is offering a discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash datesandmates. That's everlywell.com slash datesandmates for 20% off your next at-home lab test. everlywell.com slash datesandmates. Welcome back. Welcome back. Chris Thompson is a veteran of the influencer industry. He has an audience of over 2 million folks online on various platforms. He also hosts the podcast Unfiltered Friends, where he helps your favorite creators tell their personal stories. Please help me give big smooches to Chris Thompson. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for being here with me. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it was really interesting how we connected and I'm glad that we are still connected. Me too. Okay, so let's let's let everybody in. <laughs> we we connected at a podcasting conference, podcast movement, and mm-hmm. we got on the topic of uh gender roles. I am a cishet woman. Mm-hmm. How do you identify, Chris? I am a a, a cishet man. <laughs> <laughs> 
And you, you've been working in the online creator space for a really long time. And yeah. we are, I think, both seeing some trends online that <laughs> yes. I find a little bit concerning uh, around yes. gender and around gender roles, around just like the gender, let's call it the gender wars, like the gender divide. Men are like this, women are like this. What are you seeing out here in these Instagram, Twitter, YouTube streets? I think it's just a lack of conversation. And before we get into this, I want to make my intention very clear as to why I want to have this conversation. It is not to criticize. It is to try to create understanding because I have wonderful relationships with both men and women. So watching them kind of project all over each other and divide each other further, uh, it kind of makes me sad to watch because I feel like we could have so much more of a support system in so many ways for each other. But there seems to be a line drawn in the sand. Like, like if I'm a man, I can only support men. Uh, if I'm a woman, I can only support women. And then the, all of our problems are based on each other. So all that blame game stuff, uh, it, I just don't see it being a successful way to have a discussion. And frankly, I don't think the people who do it want to have a discussion. So let's clear the air a little bit. Like, what are some things that you as a cishet man mm -hmm. have been blamed for on online that aren't really true to who you are? I mean, I don't know that I can really like point to anything uh, in particular that I have been blamed for. What, what I do find is when I enter the conversation the people who I try to reach, which are the people who are making a lot of like very sweeping generalizations about people in general, but in my, in my case, it would be men. I, I find myself when I enter these spaces to have the conversation, to have a solid back and forth, to create understanding, the desire to hear <laughs> anything about my experience, if it doesn't match what the person has already preconceived about me, they will say whatever they can to shut down the conversation. I, I guess I'll give like, I'll give one example, and this isn't like a blame thing, but in my opinion, I hear the phrase pretty often, you know, the bars on the floor for men. There's no standards for men. But in my mindset, everybody has control over their own standards. Say I walk up to you, and I'm interested in dating you, and you know what your standards are, and you know that I don't meet those standards, but then you decide to date me. To me, you made a decision to lower, the, lower your own bar. When I said that, it didn't go well. Um, uh, people called me a misogynist, people called me a narcissist, and what I'm finding is people don't wanna have the conversation, they just want to say whatever they can to stop you from talking. And that's that's what I'm struggling with currently. I I hear you on that, and I and I actually agree, and I see it show up in different ways too. Like one of my rules, Chris, my listeners know this, is do a screening step before you meet in person. It'll save you just a ton of drama. But then I'll hear from people. Well, that's not that's not dating culture today. That's not every what everyone's doing. I don't care what everyone is doing. I'm telling you how to set a standard, like you said, for yourself to mm -hmm. make sure that before you go through all the process of getting to a date with someone, that you've done your due diligence to make sure that you're at least somewhat aligned, right? Yeah, and what's interesting is uh, this 
this past week, I released a uh, podcast episode where I interviewed a guy who had narcissistic personality disorder, and he's self-aware and shares his knowledge of himself from actually going to therapy. It was massively, it's like a peek behind the curtain, yeah. massively interesting. And he said a few things. He was like, one, the way that media portrays love now makes it a lot easier for narcissists to manipulate because we get this idea of being swept off our feet and like all this stuff. And that sounds wonderful and romantic, but even out of his mouth, he was like, is that sustainable? Is that realistic for what your relationship could look like? He's like, the best way to combat a narcissist is to slow down because they're going to want that immediate response. And if you don't give it to them, they will leave or they will show who they are. I'm always talking about slow love on the show. Yep. And I think it's good, not just for narcissists, but for everyone, because we're, we're, we're going too fast. Frankly, mm -hmm. we're just going too fast. And we are... We are trying to get to the end of the story before we've even like seen the plot. Right? It's like anxiousness. That's what it feels like. It feels like an anxious need for for other people to validate us. But if we worked on our own self validation, that would probably combat that, right? It's again this falling into what we feel is the cultural norm. So, just taking a what do you call it five thousand foot view <laughs> fifty thousand i don't know how i don't know how high up we have to go to get i'm this in view. denver i'm already five thousand <laughs> feet up so okay well we have to go higher than that and okay. we have to look at just overall how our communication has changed so people you know i'm bullish on dating apps i met my husband online i love dating apps i work with okcupid i've worked with many of the apps in the past but people i i think unfairly assign all of their dating disappointments to the dating apps. It's because of the dating apps. It's because the, da the dating apps are just giving you what you asked for. You wanted ease of use. That's how we went from desktop to, to, to app functionality where you were swiping people left and right. That's what you asked for. So they gave it to you, but now you don't want it because humans need to take time to connect, build yeah. trust, communication, and a rapport. And we're shortcutting all of that, but we're doing it elsewhere in our lives too. Texting, like we wanted efficient communication. Ah, oh, I don't want to have to answer the phone and have a physical conversation. <gasps> How dare. <laughs> we asked for this and I'm, I'm including myself in the we. Like this was the way that culture went. And this is what I see coming up for people in dating all the time. It's like, uh, well, it's just faster, it's easier. Like let's just message and then we'll get to the date. But then you get to the date, they're not a match. They ghost you. You're disappointed. You're not compatible. And we are almost stuck in this momentum that is not serving us. I also, what I also noticed, like I'm not on dating apps anymore uh, just because <laughs> I just wasn't enjoying the experience. I know. We'll get you there, Chris. What, I, <laughs> what, I'm, <laughs> what I'm finding is, is like, I feel like a checklist sometimes. Yeah. It's wonderful to know what you want, but looking at someone and saying, okay, do you match, you match that? Do you match that? It's so dehumanizing. It's like, hi, I'm a whole person right here. Like have your standards, but like, do I get to be included in the building of this relationship or do I just get to fit into the pre-made story you already have going? Oh my gosh. You're so speaking my language because <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. Like 
I well, I'm writing a book right now on this very thing, and one one of the points is not dating by checklist, right? We've been conditioned to do this, like we're ordering a pizza, and in addition to helping people with dating profiles, I write this column in the Washington Post called Date Lab. So Date Lab's a matchmaking column. I match people up. I have to edit myself sometimes because when I read what people tell me that they're looking for, I'm just going to say it. It is the most surface level qualities that are not related to long-term compatibility whatsoever. And I just, I'm so curious about how people get this idea of what they think that they need in a relationship and how they categorize people. And I want to bring it back to something that I've been seeing a lot online that I find deeply concerning of this idea of a high value man or a high value woman. Mm-hmm. I don't like it, Chris. Well, we're not we're not dogs at the dog show. Like <laughs> first, second, third. You know, like you don't get a we're ribbon. We're prancing like, around. We're prancing around. No, I think it is extremely detrimental to human connection and our own just dating satisfaction to think of every person has value. How do you have the ability to assign a value to a human being? I mean, that's part of what I see on both ends of this, like, quote, gender war is like, I see a lot of discussions where men are saying how valuable a woman is by how many men she's been with. And Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait. Nope. Gotta stop you there. Yeah, break it down for the old lady in the room. What do you mean by that? What's your body count? That's the question. What's your body count? How many they people want, like, have you as slept in they with? They want to know what your body yes, count is? Yes, because if you've been with too many people, you are not valuable anymore. You're used up and you're not worth dating because you are, you know, whatever derogatory term you'd like to use for someone who sleeps around. Empowered. Sure. <laughs> that's not what they mean, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how I see it. As long as it's safe now, what difference does it make? Who you've been with, that's just kind of still attached a little bit to like the way, especially in the U.S., we view sex. It's not as we've viewed it as uh, as our value. And I hope that like we get away from it, but I'm watching it actually go in the other direction and become a more prevalent conversation. And I think part of it has to do with the virality of TikTok, the ability to distribute ideas, even if they're bad ones, mm. you know, yeah. and on the, on the women's side, I see women being like, I need a man who makes, and like the number that they put out there is like at least a quarter of a million dollars and he needs to be this tall and he and it's just like so we're reducing each other down to these superficial things that you and I both know are not going to contribute to an actual long lasting healthy connection but we mm-hmm. think it's what we want and beyond that it's what we deserve and the more we have these conversations the less we see the other person as a person and more so as a commodity that I might pick up and it's really dehumanizing to both sides. Completely. And this is why I, there's a revolution happening on the show. A couple of years ago, when I was starting to see this, I said, let's practice empathetic dating hmm. where you're dating with an understanding. And what if we flip and instead of like the story I'm telling myself is, as Brene Brown says, the story that this person is probably telling and really try to get inside of 
their perspective. It's just so, so illuminating. But Chris, there was something else that you said about TikTok and the way that ideas are spread that I really, really want to talk about. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. Like, what's up with this rise of alpha male culture? I'm seeing this everywhere. And I'm like, we know what incels are and what incels have done. And it's really dangerous, right? It's really yeah. dangerous. Is alpha male culture incels 2.0? I don't really know that I can really say answer that directly. But what I will say is, and I want to be very clear, I'm not saying it's anyone else's responsibility for the behavior of these people whatsoever. However, I think that if we don't figure out a way to talk to each other and coexist and learn from each other, which involves speaking as well as listening, the places that people will go where they can find acceptance will be toxic places. Mm. And I think that's probably an aspect of that alpha male culture. And I think it's also an aspect of the way that um, what I'm seeing in, in in a lot of these videos from women is chauvinism. They feel that they feel that their gender is superior to yours. And I think that is an affect of people just staying within their own echo chamber and being constantly validated, even if those mindsets might not be the most helpful to the discussion. So I think it's an aspect of nobody's talking to each other and Everyone wants to find a place where they belong. So a lot of times people end up going to the most extreme places to find acceptance because someone who's like, I'm an alpha, blah, 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 blah. Like they're the type of people that just want attention. They don't care about the quality of the message that they're sending. Possibly. I, 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 I'm going to, I appreciate how carefully you Look, I know it's a sensitive subject. I do. Yeah, but I might not be so careful because I think it's re- it's very toxic. I agree with you that people are going to these toxic places to seek out information and it all is actually coming from pain. And beyond that, I also feel like it's coming from a place of not feeling enough. And there's no book you can read. There's no TikTok you can watch that's going to make you feel enough if you're not doing the inner work. I'm going to ask you a question then. How, if someone is in that kind of pain and lacking in vulnerability, how do they solve that within themselves? What's the, what is the way someone gets help for that? Therapy, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. Which is not available to a lot of people. It's, it's more available than people realize it is. Like there are community health centers. If you have a job with benefits or a healthcare plan, which you can get because the government made sure that everyone could get that, there is coverage. And I encourage people to find those kind of resources before they find like how to be an alpha male because it's it's an empty promise really. So I guess my point would be, if we know that there is a much deeper thing going on there and all we do is criticize the surface level stuff and don't give that support, then no growth will ever happen. Mm-hmm. And I understand that it's really emotional for people and I understand that people have experienced a lot of pain at the hands of these people. But if you are truly about fixing it 
you have to meet those people with compassion and understanding and give them options, which I am not seeing a lot of. A lot of people are more so content of making them an example. And I'm not saying they don't deserve it. I don't condone any sort of misogyny or any of those ideas. That's not who I am. But I do also understand that it comes from somewhere. Think about it. If we really get in with these young men who are acting that way and we create positive relationships and empower them and meet them with compassion, who do they then not go on to victimize? Women. So like, I guess the struggle that I've been having is when I try to have compassion, it's looked at as validation, which is never what I don't validate that behavior at all. But if we're going to make a difference, we got to figure out where it's starting because I believe by and large, we don't start this way. We don't start with this attitude. It's learned. So where are they learning it? And then get to that source and then guide them to the places where they could unlearn it or never learn it to begin with. Because toxic masculinity, a lot of people throw that word around, but toxic masculinity is someone telling me what I have to do in order to be considered the definition of masculine. And I get that from women. I get that from men too. So until we all take accountability to our contributions to those ideas, nothing's really going to change. Again, I am not blaming anybody, but let's get real about the fact like I've heard man up. If I'm going to be in my feminine, you need to be this version of masculine. That's you dictating to me what version of masculinity I need to be in order for you to be who you are. And mm. that doesn't that doesn't progress anything. That's you telling me what I need to do. No. And, you know, I wanted to talk about this with you, too, because I I often say on this show that like gender roles are out of date. They, yes. That we are living by gender roles that were created in a very different time when essentially women were property, were an extension of their families financial stability it's like mm -hmm. well i gotta get her hitched with this guy because uh i i gotta <laughs> i gotta plow these fields and like feed these cows and whatever yeah I, like and i know it's it sounds like oh demona you're being dramatic and that's so old-fashioned but if you really look at history we're not that far from it i mean what's but, the ring what does the ring represent okay yes and the, the ring is basically yes the the dowry dowry but funny enough about, so I'm married to like an uber feminist, not an alpha male. I don't know what they would call him. A beta male? A, what's the other one? Sigma, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I just be. I'll speak Greek. It's all Greek to me. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like, I don't want to get you an engagement ring. He was like, I don't want to get any blood diamonds. <laughs> like He's just mm -hmm. really. And then this is something that's funny because we're a gap generation, right? And we're in this place where my parents had the expectation that he would call them to ask for my hand in marriage. And he was like, I'm not doing it. You're not a possession. You know? I'm not. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, you're your own person with your own ability to make decisions. And so I'm not doing it. But I understand I have to honor their expectations because they come from a different time where that was the norm. So he made it a point to call my parents and tell them sometimes my dad listens to the show so now sorry dad, if you're listening <laughs> this is the scoop he told them i'm going to propose to demona which satisfied their need to be asked but he wasn't asking he was informing 
But yes. because he did it before he asked me, they felt included in the conversation. So I think that's ultimately what we're doing. Like we are all changing and evolving and the way that we connect and communicate is rapidly evolving. And we're also caught in the middle of different expectations and a different reality and future that I believe we are headed towards of gender equity and parity and I am in what I call a an equity partnership. I'm in a partnership, Chris. That's what I want. I yeah. want that so badly. And I hear that that's what a lot of people want until they get into a relationship and there's inconvenient aspects of that equality. <laughs> they say everyone's a feminist until there's a spider around, which you is know, absolutely true in my relationship. <laughs> right. Like, look, like there's going to be things that are going to be uncomfortable as we unravel our ideas of gender and masculine and feminine and all of these things. And it takes everyone being open to the idea that there's a possibility that the way that they view things is harmful or wrong in other people's eyes, there's so many, there's a multitude of ideas of how things should go. What should is you putting your value system on somebody else. So it's about mutual respect, conversation, which involves listening as well as speaking and understanding that we're both coming from a place of trying to be understood and respected. And I want to respect you. Where's the compromise? And that is what I feel like is lacking in a lot of these connections is I already have kind of like to check this thing. I already have an idea of what I want my relationship to be. But then there's a whole other person who also might have had an idea like the, there's a whole other person involved. So find your, your common ground unless you want that traditional role. And that's totally fine, too. But it should be a discussion, not a takeover. Yeah. Yeah. It's a merger. <laughs> Yeah. It's a merger, not a takeover. Yeah. Chris, you're so wise. How did you get so smart? <laughs> I've been talking about relationships for a long time. I also got to witness what healthy looks like through my parents. I got to witness what healthy looked like through my friends. I was the best man at their wedding. Relationship role models. I was just talking with my program participants about that, just what you said. And even if it's not in the family of origin... You can find relationship role models, but you have to be really careful of the inputs that you let in because they really do change our brain. And I think what you what you shared really emphasizes that. Like if you are watching the content that is is not modeling the kind of relationship or the relationship dynamics that you want, then change the channel. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are engaging with content that validates their anger instead of pushes them to connect better. You know, they don't you, they don't get challenged. You don't have your ideas challenged. You have the your anger, and it's like it's like a cycle. It's it just keeps getting like more and more and more, and th and then it's almost like impossible for you to have a positive connection with somebody else because you view the other side as the enemy who's just out to hurt you. And that's something that I learned about when I, when I was in therapy, uh, it's a cognitive distortion. It's a, it's a way, it's a black and white thinking. And the more entrenched in those ideas you become, the less likely you'll be able to one, have successful relationships or just be happy in general. Thank you so much for joining me, Chris. 
Be sure to follow Chris on Instagram and TikTok at SupDaily, S-U-P-D-A-I-L-Y. And check out his podcast, Unfiltered Friends, wherever you listen to Dates and Mates. The links will be in the show notes. In a moment, I'll be back to answer the following listener question. I'm not attracted to most of the guys I date. Why? Stick around. You know I got you and your dating and relationship dilemmas, so let's get into the question of the week. Dear Damona. Damona, help me. This question comes to us from a listener we'll call E. She says, hi, Damona. Help! I discovered your podcast a few months ago, and I listen a few times a week when I walk. I go on lots of dates. Men usually ask me out on second and third dates, and I've actually turned down numerous opportunities with nice guys who want a relationship. I'm not attracted to most of the guys I date. What do I do? Am I picking the wrong people? I find the really attractive guys are often jerks or have very different values, like very conservative, anti-abortion, that sort of thing. And I'm starting to wonder, is it me? Is it my selection strategy? Mayday, mayday. You are writing in at the perfect time because, yes, it is your selection strategy. And what I would actually say is, do you have a selection strategy at all? Because yes, it's it's a pleasure to be nominated. It's very nice to be asked out on a date, but you definitely don't have to go if you're not interested. And so it concerns me that you're saying I'm not attracted to most of the guys I date. And I wonder if that calculus changes, if the word is not attracted to and is instead curious about. Would you still say, I'm not curious about most of the guys I date? Because you don't have to be like, va 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 voom, like every time you see your date. But you shouldn't be going if you're just not curious. And, and you probably know my three-date rule where I say you want to go on at least three dates to see if chemistry develops over time before you throw in the towel if they meet your other core criteria. But I'm wondering how much clarity you have on that core criteria, because then we start to second guess like, oh, well, they're a nice guy. Should I should I give them a third date? Well, Demona said I should give him a third date, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Am I curious? I don't even know. I'm not attracted to him, but am I at least interested in even spending this hour or two hours of my life with him? So if you lay the foundation first and figure out what are those three must-haves, what's that one deal breaker? And that's baseline. And for you, since, look, you're getting a lot of dates and kudos to you for that. A lot of our listeners are like, (laughs) they're saying right now, like, good problem to have. Like, (laughs) good for you, honey. Um, I'm not saying that because I know it can be its own challenge to have more options and to feel that overwhelm of like, how do I even pick? And what if I say no to this person and they were actually a great person who would have been great in a relationship, but why am I not feeling the attraction that I should? I'm not big on shoulds, you know, we're shooting all over ourselves when we say that. And I would bet that that is somehow in your thought process when you're deciding, do I go on a second date with this person? Do I say yes to this person? So you're kind of in a different boat than a lot of the the listeners who are just like, can I get a date with somebody that I am remotely interested in? Your sourcing is down. Like you don't need help with that dating loop. You've got plenty of options. Your screening needs to be figured out. 
And that is exactly what you have pinpointed yourself. See, we all have all the answers internally. You just write into me because you want me to confirm what you already know. And it is that it is your selection strategy, if that even exists. So number one, make it exist. Number two, check in after the dates. Like maybe do a little journaling when you get home from the date to capture the feeling that you have when you leave that person. Because we can talk ourselves in or out of any any dating situation, especially when time has passed. And we're like, I don't really remember. It's amazing to me how quickly people forget details of dates and how they were feeling. So get into that. Get curious about that yourself and start to see what is the pattern. And the last thing I'll just say is that nice guys get a bad rap. Right, nice guys? And I, I would kind of separate this not attraction from this idea of nice guys. So the really attractive guys, it sounds like your attraction is also somewhat tied to this unpredictability, this assholery that they treat you with that is not going to be part of a healthy relationship. So you may have to retrain your picker a little bit. And I did this myself when I did Operation Date Nice Guys to meet my husband. I had to step back from my initial impression of like, oh, he's a nice guy, because I had a whole series of associations with that word that got triggered as soon as I placed that label on him. Well, most of those assumptions were true. But some of those assumptions were me reacting to my history, to my prior relationships, and to things that were no longer healthy for me. And I had to shift the focus so that I could let the relationship unfold in time for what it was separate of that prior programming. So you have a little homework to do, but hopefully it's fun homework. And I am totally certain that it will lead to a different experience for you in dating. And you're going to find very quickly, if you actually do a couple of these things that I've said, or maybe all of them, you're going to find, hey, wait a minute. I just had a great date with somebody. I had a really fun date. We really connected. And I didn't feel some of those things before because you have to just do the work to refocus towards your ultimate dating goal as opposed to just kind of going with the momentum of what is presented to you. Sending you so much love. Please report back. I hope you all enjoyed episode 440 of Dates and Mates. You know what they say, sharing is caring. This is the season of giving. I'm going to suggest a bold, bold suggestion that you give the gift of dates and mates to a friend. And here's the best part. It's not even going to cost you anything. All you have to do is click share from whichever platform you're listening on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, wherever you're listening, share this episode with a friend that you think needs this kind of support and help and entertainment and fun in their life. And we can heal more hearts in 2023. I'm going to be opening early bird enrollment for the Dating Accelerator program very soon. You know, I only do this program once or twice a year. So don't miss the boat. If you missed it in the fall, I'm giving you another bite at the apple. So be on the lookout for that. Make sure you get the profile starter kit at datesandmates.com so that you can get in the know as soon as early bird enrollment is open. 
on the Dating Accelerator. It will be open later in December. My DMs are open. I would love a good voice memo. At Damona Hoffman. You can message me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Or call me. Leave me a voicemail at 424-246-6255. We'll be back again next Tuesday with best-selling author and relationship coach and my longtime friend, Dufflin Lammers. She's going to be outlining how healthy boundaries can help you enjoy a successful relationship and a successful holiday season. Trust me, y'all, we all need this episode. Until then, I wish you happy dating.